Hi, I'm Chelsea Neumeyer and I'm a time management and productivity coach. My goal is to help you go from overwhelmed to under control without a strict schedule or a bunch of productivity hacks. Each week, we'll talk about productivity mindset, actionable advice, my favorite resources, and you'll hear from guests just like you who are maximizing their limited resources. If you're anything like me, you're listening to this on the go, so check out the show notes and follow me on Instagram to learn more. Okay, let's start the episode. Hello, everybody. Today, I am so excited to welcome Lorraine Ball to the show. After spending too many years in corporate America, Lorraine has said goodbye to bureaucracy, glass ceilings, and bad coffee, and channeled her passion of helping small business owners succeed. Today, she is an author, professional speaker, and host of a weekly marketing podcast, More Than a Few Words, bringing creative ideas, practical tips, and decades of real-world experience to business owners who want to use the internet marketing to grow. And in her spare time, she loves to travel, take photos, and you can see her photos at LorraineBall.com. So thank you so much for being here today. I completely appreciate getting out of the bureaucracy, glass ceilings, and bad coffee. That is such a great slogan and way to think about becoming an entrepreneur, certainly motivation. You know, it's funny because whenever anybody who has had a journey similar to mine reads that, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I do remember that. And, you know, not to say that my corporate days were all bad. There was a lot of good in and a lot of lessons that I learned there that I've applied to my my own businesses. But, but there's a lot I'm not sorry to leave behind. Absolutely. It's very, very relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to just jump back a little bit and have you tell me more about you and your journey and how you got to where you are today. You know, it's so funny when I look back on all the things that I've done and I think, well, it would have been nice if I'd had a plan. (laughs) And then, you know, it's funny because I I started as as a teacher and I've kind of come full circle where the thing I love best now after all of these years is teaching. So I kind of get to tap into those skills again and that's fun. Um, Spent a lot of years in corporate. I worked my way up the ladder. I had the corner office. I had the big team. I had the VP title and I hated my life. And that's when I decided, you know what, I, I can do this better and I want to do it on my own. And what I thought my business was going to be about, just a hint to those of you that are still sitting in corporate thinking, I know exactly what I'm going to do when I'm not working for somebody else. No, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) I was really good at fixing broken teams and building high performance organizations, kind of bringing people together. And I thought, this is a good skill. Mm -hmm. And I believed that I could teach other managers how to do this and that I could get paid for that. So that's what I started my business to do. And while I was trying to do that, people kept coming up to me going, you know, Lorraine, you used to do marketing. Can you help me? And sure, you know, I'll do your project on the side because I'm really interested in this other thing. And I woke up one day and I realized that all of my business, all of the people who were paying me were paying me for marketing. And I was running in circles, chasing corporate clients who just didn't care. Yeah. So I became a marketing agency and uh, concentrating on small businesses, which I loved doing. Mm and. One day it occurred to me that we were changing again because 
printing was going by the wayside as more and more of my clients embraced at that time, email marketing and Mm -hmm. web design. And then there was Facebook and then there was LinkedIn. And all of a sudden we were a digital agency. And so looking back as I was getting ready to sell Round Peg, realizing that I had built a business and earned a living doing things that did not exist when I started the company. That's amazing. That's very, very cool. What growth. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it just, it, it was just a matter of, and I think that's one of those lessons is you've always got to be looking, what am I good at? What's working now? And where is the market going? And as I got ready to sell the business, I really had to think about, well, what do I want to do afterwards? And what I wanted to do afterwards was continue to teach and continue to do my podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I spun off those two entities into a separate business unit, a separate business. So when I sold Round Peg, the agency, the training, the intellectual property, and the podcast did not even come into the conversation. And that's, I think, maybe another one of those key lessons is even if you don't think you're ready to sell now, look at what you've got and decide when you are ready to sell, what do you want to keep Mm. and find a way to protect it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't even think the idea of selling business sounds so far away from me right now, but you bring up such an important point about thinking for the future. Like you said, right at the beginning, have a bit of a plan, have a bit of an idea about what you want the ultimate goals to be, because you know, you're not necessarily going to be working forever. Right. So how are you going to start scaling back down and what do you want to be focusing on as your life changes? So that's a really good advice. You know, and it's, it was hard for me because I mean, I loved what I was doing and, and I, I, I was having fun and I had a good team and an offer came along that just was too interesting. And it gave me an opportunity to redefine once again, what I was going to do. I, I'm still busy. I'm still working. I'm still having fun, but I'm doing it on my terms Mm -hmm. and particularly coming out of the pandemic. I'm really glad that this is where I am right now. Yeah, absolutely. I I also love hearing such a real tangible story about people, businesses changing, because like you said, (laughs) it's my business has certainly changed. It changes. It feels like monthly. I'm sure that that's not true, but it feels like it's constantly in flux. And I know that some people can be self-conscious about that, that it doesn't, that they can't make up their mind or that it doesn't look professional and sophisticated, but that's just the reality is like you said, you need to have it, what you need to do may not exist yet. And so just keeping focus is going to be so, so important. I think there's a balancing act. There's a little bit of this new thing over here is cool. Does it, does it fit with my core? Is it a natural extension? Is it, is it a good, is it a good extension or is it going to require that I completely pivot? And somebody, I wish I had a chart in front of me, but, but imagine four squares and you've got things that are exactly what you're doing now and you're good at them. Things that are similar to what you're doing now, 
but they are for a different group of customers. Things that are similar to what are, are, are for the same customers, but it's new things, but it's keeping your customers. So if you stay in those two areas, either things that new offers for your existing customers or new customers for your existing products, you're making those nice extensions. Yeah. But if what you're looking to do is something new for a new group of customers, that's when the warning light should go off because that's going to push you in two directions at once out of your comfort zone and in an area where you don't have experience and maybe you don't have systems. And even though it's interesting and fun, it may not be a good fit for you. Yeah, I, I, that was a really good visual. I know I saw your hands going, but for those who did it, it, it absolutely makes sense to, to mm -hmm. think about it in that, in those buckets and those quadrants, because it's also just, again, that litmus test so that we're not just constantly changing mm -hmm. the, the next new shiny object, yeah. which, which is hard to do, especially you know, as a, from a time management productivity coach's perspective, I often see people going there when they're procrastinating or worried about the, the perfectionism or getting kind of hung up on the hard stuff that they're already working mm -hmm. on. And so then it becomes like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll just, I'll just work on this thing instead because it's new and exciting and I don't have to work. And they don't think they'll have to work as hard on that area. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, that, that's none of my great ideas were ever as easy as I thought they were going to be. A lot of them were fun. A lot of them were interesting, but none of them were ever as easy or as fast as I thought it was going to be. Yes, absolutely. Well, one of the things we talked about in our, our pre-call was this project management tool that you used for your agency. And so I have to ask because project management is one of my favorite topics to talk about. And so any, any insight I can get is absolutely incredibly valuable. So I'd love to hear more about this tool that you used. So it was built, I think the original tool was built in an access database and we ultimately just did it in an Excel spreadsheet. That's amazing. But, but fundamentally what we did was recognize, and, and I saw this so often, a lot of times you don't have standardization on what you name products and, and you come up with all these naming conventions and you think you're, you're going to stick with it and you never do, but numbers are numbers. And so what we did was every time we started a project, we gave it a number and that number was on the project folder. It was actually like a lot of times it, back when we were still doing print, we would even put that little project number in very, very small print on the back of the brochure. So when the customer came back and said, hey, can you reprint this? We'd look at it and go, oh, look, that's number 127. Yes. Amazing. And the nice thing is as we grew, now search functionality is way better on spreadsheets, but back then not so much, but filters worked. And so I could get a call and I had this happen 15 years into the business, somebody said, hey, you did a logo for me. And I'm like, yes, I, I remember. You don't still have those art files, do you? 15 years later. I said, you know, I do. Give me five minutes. And they went five minutes. I went to my, my spreadsheet. I filtered on their name. I found all the projects that were associated with them. And there were little description notes. You know, this was a design project, whatever. And sure enough, Within five minutes, I could find, oh, that was project 
25 or 75 or through 200, we went to file number 200 on our server and inside it were all the original art files. Wow. And that ability to inst I mean, really instantly access any customer file was great. Now, you know, these days I think of people a lot of times just use alphabetic systems based on the customer's name. What we ran into and what a lot of agencies run into is, especially when you're working with small businesses, was the customer Bob Smith or was it Smith Construction? Right. And so numbers, like I said, numbers are numbers. And it was so easy to just continue to, to do that. And we would break them up a hundred at a time. So, you know, you didn't have to search through thousands of files. You also, we also had some dates in there. So I knew, oh, when did we work together back in, in 2010? Okay. In 2010, we were in the, you know, 400 to 500 range. So again, I could narrow it down that way. Mm -hmm. And it just allowed us to, excuse me, organize and maintain and continue to find the things that we needed. Yeah. So many questions because this sounds brilliant. Did you have it separated by, like, was it hierarchy in any way where it was the project, like you mentioned the customer being Bob Smith. Was it Bob Smith 01 and then 01A, 01B, 01B, or each individual project had their own number. We we did different things. The project list, the numbers were signed every time I made a sale okay. because that number would go through all the way through the project to invoicing. So there were other, the, the, that different areas other than production were using the numbers. Where it started to get a little confusing was like we had a client for, for 10 years We had a ton of projects. What we ultimately did for that customer was we still maintained the project folders, but the artwork files that we used over and over again, our our retainer clients, our reoccurring clients, we would create a customer folder, master folder for them and keep that in a separate area that had their logo, their colors and, and artwork. So those master files, every time I started a new project, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. I'm like, oh, Tish, yeah, we've got a customer file for him. Let's just, I can find his logo. I can find what I need. And I only have to put whatever new I create in this project number. Okay. That makes sense. Because that's what I was saying too, is especially if people are coming in and out, then things mm-hmm. will end up spread out. And yeah, I mean, and the system worked, worked way better for like web clients who were more in and out the retainer clients after a while, the project folders were, there were a lot of them, but it also allowed me from an ongoing production phase, I could look at status on individual products and they weren't all just sort of in this mess with the retainer client. I could be like, hey, we're doing four ads for Tish, on target, off target, you know, out for approval. Where are we on just that product, project for that customer? 
My next question has to be about compliance. How did you get everyone to use it? Because I think I struggle to hold myself to compliant to some project management tools. So especially on a team, was that both baked into the culture? It, it was very much baked into the culture. We standardized the only person, the only person who could assign a project number was my assistant. Anybody else who wanted project numbers, you could put your projects on the list and then Rebecca would go in and assign the number. You didn't, because otherwise what would happen is three different people might pick the same number. It right. does not happen. Right. Yeah, that makes so sense. So that, that, and we were using... We, we've used a number of different project management with tasks assigned to them. The one, what did we, I'm trying, Insightly, that was the one we had last. And we would use those project numbers in Insightly. So if I sold something, I would create a project and pull down the template for a new project to start. And the first thing that happened was e Rebecca would get an email that says, hey, we just sold, insert customer's name, this thing, assign a project number, and then change the number in Insightly. So she would assign the project number, and then she'd go into Insightly, change the project number, and then going forward, everything would have the same numbers. So having that as kind of that first step. Yeah, I think you have to make that a make a point person. Mm -hmm. um to, mm -hmm. to double check that everything is is being is consistent <laughs> like I yes. said everyone's complying well and it was such an integral part of how we operated that nope I mean everything was you know where are we with this project hey we've got a new customer whatever people wouldn't know what to do if we weren't keeping the project list up, I mean, they, you know, they'd come into project to project review meetings going, hey, Rebecca, we got three new projects. They don't have numbers yet. I mean, I, I didn't have to, to ask about it. it. It just, it was, it was just part of it. So yeah, that was a lot easier. Yeah. I love that. And like, I mean, even just to hear about a team kind of, again, keeping everybody onto mm -hmm. it. Right. And that's so important to have that baked into the culture. Cause I've, Again, being in the nonprofit space, we dealt with a lot of projects and we dealt with a lot of materials. Every solicitation had a mailing list associated with it. It was the same kind of jumble. And then especially if there was any kind of segmentation to it, then it became even more complicated. And we tried to like, again, make that standardized process, but it wasn't baked into a lot of the cultures to maintain that. And so then you have like version control drama and it, it was just just gets messy. So I love this system. And I love that it's in something as accessible as Excel. Because there's, well, mm -hmm. I was gonna say, because yeah, there's, there's lots of more complicated, but we eventually went and how we got around the versioning was we went to a Google Doc. Mm -hmm. So now there wasn't any version, it was just the doc itself. And that really helped. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. One of the things that I love to talk about in this podcast is looking behind the scenes at the day in the life of an entrepreneur. It just, it brings me so much joy to kind of take a peek <laughs> into what, how people manage their time, what people are using, what tools you're using. And so I'd love for you to share what a normal day or week in your life looks like now, <laughs> if there is a normal, I use normal in quotes. Now, as especially as you've transitioned into, into podcasting in some different roles. 
So I still like a little bit of discipline. I still rely very heavily. I switched from Insightly to a product called Todoist. Yep, love uh, it. Mm-hmm. And the, so I still check my tasks every day and I really record lots of little notes in that. So that really helps keep me focused. I created some reoccurring tasks for stupid things that I always forgot to do. So, you know, once a week it's, Hey, did you set up, you know, the dream yard to go live on Friday? Did you create a graphic for this? Sometimes I work ahead and I get three or four of them stacked up and that's wonderful, but I leave the reminders just to go, Oh yeah, I'm good for another week. Cause that, that, that makes me very happy. Yeah. I love right now. I'm doing a lot of video work, not because I particularly love video, but because video is where it's at mm-hmm. that right now, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram are copying TikTok. They recognize that the reels have power, those short, short videos. And so all of the platforms are really making a big push. I'm not a big fan of TikTok. It's not, it's not where my people hang out. I'm, I'm not dismissing it. I think. Sure, sure. There. Yeah. But what TikTok has done is it's forced a change in all the other platforms. And I am on LinkedIn. I am on Facebook. I am on YouTube. And so I'm going back and creating a lot of video, a lot of short video, And my biggest challenge is not spending three hours editing video because time gets away from you so quickly. And so setting up timers to that remind me, hey, you've been sitting there for two hours, walk away or (laughs) go do something else is really important. I really like Adobe Premiere Rush to edit my videos. Okay. But, and here's the kicker. It makes really high quality videos that are too high quality for some of the social platforms. Mm. And so what I have to do is I have to upload those videos to Canva because Canva makes really good low quality videos. (laughs) (laughs) And social media channels love the lower quality videos. So I have my expensive design tools. I have Adobe Illustrator, I have Photoshop, I have Premiere Rush, and then I have to use Canva to, to simplify what I've created. So that's that's kind of fun. I think Canva is for the inexperienced designer, for the business owner who is not a designer. Canva is a fabulous tool. Mm-hmm. If I would give anybody advice on that, I would say before you start using Canva, get real clear on your fonts and your colors. And when you pull a template from Canva, immediately change it to your fonts and your colors so that the final product looks like you. It's real easy to start chasing all these different design elements because Canva offers so much. But you stop looking like you. And that's that's a problem. I did something when I first started the business, a friend of mine was a graphic designer and he created my original logo, gave me my original color palette, which was blue and teal. And I really liked it. And I used blue and teal for 20 years. And I took that blue and teal, not only from Roundpeg, but my podcast, I used the blue and teal and I used the blue and teal on the digital toolbox. But when I sold Roundpeg, I wanted to look a little different. 
the blue is a great color and it's, it's, I, I wasn't going to change it. And I went with a blue and burgundy that looks really good and I like it. And I've been using it for about a year now. The problem is it's a little dark and I want to change it again, but I, I won't change it again because I need that consistency. I'm going to let it go a little while longer before mm -hmm. I do something different, but I'm laughing because I just, because I like blues and burgundies. I just took all these great publicity shots in burgundy and I'm like, okay, everything in the branding around these new PR shots is going to be blue and white because I can't use the burgundy because it blends with my sweater. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you got to think still about, learning. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to think about with your branding, what your, you know, the extension of your colors, but I did get from Canva a fun, what I'm going to call a display font. It's not my core font, but it is what I use just for accents. Mm -hmm. And I would never have found it had I not been using a, a Canva template. And I was like, oh, I really like that. And I've downloaded the font and I now use it everywhere. And it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. And so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of good in Canva. And again, mm -hmm. it's, I, I don't think it's very expensive. And I think if you load your brand, you got a great start. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's absolutely a game changer for, especially like you said, the people who are just getting started or, or need some additional support or who need to adjust videos from high quality to the appropriate <laughs> quality. Something else that I figured out I can do on Canva, Instagram, I use my scheduling tool for social media. Mm -hmm. I use Publer. I've used okay. Hootsuite. I've used Buffer. I had an opportunity to beta test Publer about 18 months ago, and I really liked it and I've stayed with it. And it works great for everything, except about six months ago, Instagram and Publer decided they weren't going to get along anymore. Oh, no. I, I, and I tried everything. And, you know, I finally was like, heck with it. I'll just use the Instagram scheduling tool. Well, the Instagram scheduling tool wasn't cooperating but I was in Canva and they're like, well, you can, you can publish from Canva. I'm like, can, can I? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's really interesting. All the different things. Now you got to be careful because you have to manage your software or you will be it just, yeah. It's like Netflix and Hulu and Disney and Amazon and Paramount and CVS All Access. Yes. Yep. I was, I was, that's where exactly where my mind said it. It's like, you know, it's, I, one of the things that I'm always conscious about, especially when I'm talking to clients is I always ask like, what kind of tools you're using? Because it is easy to start piecemealing everything mm -hmm. out and really expensive usually mm -hmm. if you want to find one tool that does it all. So it's, exactly like I said. it's about that balance of what can I use for what purpose how do I make sure that how can I have them talk to each other as much as possible to save me some time and, and energy so mm -hmm. I love that you're the solution was something you already have versus mm -hmm. some other kind of scheduler that you could Absolutely. use well and one of the things that I do every year and I, I recommend that everybody do this I anytime I add a new software product I have a, I have a list I have what I'm paying for it and I have the expiration date when it comes up for renewal. Mm -hmm. And then in Todoist, I have a reminder that says, hey, you know, look at this. But once a year, I go in and I look at all my software 
And I'm like, okay, I use Zencaster to record my podcast. Well, when they added a transcript function, I canceled Otter because I no mm-hmm. longer needed that. I still use StreamYard because it's got a live stream function. If they, if Zencast ever starts live streaming or if StreamYard ever starts doing transcripts, one of those two softwares is going to go. Sure. Yeah. But I had a friend of mine say something to me recently. She said, you know, I used to buy subscriptions for software, annual subscriptions. She says, I don't anymore. I'm like, are you kidding? You spend so much more money. She says, no, I don't because I don't get trapped. Software changes so fast. You know, if it's your core software, you know, you're not going to change. Fine. Get the annual subscription. But if this is the first year you're signing up for something, do the month to month, because if somebody else comes along with another feature, you're locked in to what you've been using and you have to wait a whole year to Mm -hmm. make a change. And I'm going to start doing that with some of my Zencaster and StreamYard, because I think those two platforms, eventually one of them is going to bump over into the other space and I'll be able to get rid of one. Yeah, that's, that's a really good advice. And I actually just did a big, same thing, kind of like a big tech audit at the beginning of the year too, mm-hmm. because, and I realized like, I, you know, I had Dubsado as my CRM and I wasn't using it because the way I coached is now is different. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I didn't need all the functions that were in Dubsado. And it, I think some of it is we just get so committed to it. it like so so yeah give yourself that permission to do those audits take a step back if you use a bookkeeper or anything like that have them help you kind of go mm-hmm. through what are those subscriptions that you're paying for and what can you what can you start to get rid of that's really really good advice and it feels so good to cancel a <laughs> software product <laughs> yeah yeah I have another one that's I think I paid for the year but I won't be won't be renewing it yeah and, mm-hmm. and it's it's because things are changing. And, mm-hmm. um, but again, coming at it from the productivity and time management lens, I also want to encourage you or not you, people to not get so hung up on making those decisions either too, right? Mm-hmm. You can spend a lot of time doing research to find that perfect software. And you really don't know how something is going to work until you are in there and you're trying it. And especially, like you said, if you do the monthly option, the worst that's going to happen is you're paying for a month or two that you don't really need. So don't get hung up on those decisions either. Well, that, and I think the other thing that is always really important to me is the trade-off between additional features and the learning curve. Mm -hmm. There, I, I host my podcast on Podbean. I have been on Podbean since 2010, Okay. Every episode I have now is on Podbean. Are there better hosting platforms? Yes. Am I going to change at this point? No. I have 13 years worth of history and 13 years worth of content. I have, I can create an episode in my sleep. Am I really disadvantaged by not having some of those other features now right yeah you know again if there was something I was really missing 
I would I would have to reevaluate. We went with, through the same thing when somebody was trying to convince me to switch project management software. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's really great. But I don't want to relearn anything at this point. Yeah. And project management softwares are, I mean, they, they're so robust and there's so much you can do, but you have to be an expert or hire an expert to really mm-hmm. get the most, the most out of it. So again, pick one that you like, whether even if it's just the color scheme, pick the one that you like <laughs> and do your best to lean into it as much as possible mm-hmm. so that you are getting the most out of what you have. without this need to kind of feel like you're jumping from one thing to another. So I love that. It was, that's such, (laughs) it's so so helpful. It's so practical advice because it's, it's something that all entrepreneurs deal with. And we end up spending a lot of time in that indecision or in that research mode versus just doing the work, right? At the end of the day, you just gotta, you just have to get a podcast episode out. Yes. (laughs) Just has to happen. Going back a little bit to how you're structuring your day are you finding yourself batching a lot of that work? Do you have themes for your days? I do batch mostly because, and I'm going to apologize, I have a cat in the in the background who has just decided he's going to be a part of today's podcast. So that's very Benny. Sweet. I batch for some very good reasons. Uh, I like to travel. Mm-hmm. And one of the thing advantages of selling the business has given me more flexibility and control over my, my schedule. And so our idea of a vacation now is three weeks, which is great, but that means I have to have six podcasts, three newsletters, you know, 21 social shares on each of the, the networks set up and ready to go in order to do that. I have to batch. So yes, I, I will edit three and four podcasts in a row, just one right after the other, right after the other, because in the software it's open and it's actually very easy for me to pull out one track, drop in another, or I don't have to do a lot of the setup. So I will do three or four podcasts, then I'll switch and I'll create the videos. And it's the same thing. What I had been doing was one episode start to finish Mm. and I, I didn't have to pause and go, now, what was that episode about? And that was good. But switching from Audacity, which edits my podcast, to editing the video, to then writing the copy for the, the notes and stuff, then creating the social shares, I found it was much, much more productive to say, you know what, today is editing and edit until I can't listen anymore and then switch and do something else and do something else. So yeah, I do I do batch. And then when I just need a break, I work on a presentation, you know, if, if I've got a speaking gig coming up and that just kind of puts me in a whole different mode. And I love that. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. I actually, right before we hit record, I was in a client session and this is exactly what we were talking about because she was, it was actually similarly about her podcast, but she was doing it episode by episode and then getting really hung up on, what to write, especially like generating Instagram posts or any of that, the social, social content. And I said the same things like do all of the Instagram writing, do write all of your content in one mm-hmm. bulk, do that in bulk and then create the graphics for it mm-hmm. and then do the scheduling and stick in that links. I think so many times when we think about batch work, I think people think about, okay, I'm just going to edit the podcast all the way through. I'm going to get all of my, the social post done all the way through when really the batch work is the editing, the batch work is generating the graphics. It's the writing. It's, it's that piece that we want to, 
lumped together. Well, the other reason to do it that way is, you know, when I had a team, when I had the agency, the batching made sense because Simon did the editing, but Britt created all the web pages for all the episodes. Talia was doing the graphics and Stacy was doing the social. So I had the luxury of having a team. Everybody had their assignments <laughs> off, you go. But even if you're doing it by yourself, there may come a point where you want to outsource pieces of this. And so if you already build that pattern of batching, now you can say to someone, here are five episodes you need to edit for sound quality and get me back final versions. Yeah. Here are five video files. I need a 10, I need a, a one minute snippet from each one. And I kind of like what the person was saying between, because this is what I do when, when, when I'm recording, I'll make a note, you know, two minutes in, three minutes in, oh, that was really cool what he was saying. And then I'll go in and I'll watch the video to make sure it, it, it still works. But then I could hand that off to somebody else. Right now, I'm still doing all of this because I have the time. There may come a point again where I don't want to, and I need to be able to hand things off. And so again, that's what I'm sort of getting ready for. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, that's a really good point too, because it's thinking about preparing for outsourcing, preparing to mm -hmm. grow as you grow, as you scale, what can you hand off? And if you have a good rhythm and a good structure that you can easily explain to someone about mm -hmm. each piece that will make that, that handoff that much smoother and that much easier. So that's great. I love it. All right. Well, I have a couple of rapid fire questions okay. as we wrap up here and then I'll have you share where everybody can find you. Are you a morning person or a night person? Yes. I'm kind of like a, so in a lot of areas of my life, I'm like a two hump camel where I'm really good earlier in the morning, middle of the day, and I'm good again at night. So I like, I like the early morning. I, I, I'm really focused middle of the day. I want to be out talking with people. I don't want to be sitting and working on my computer. And then the end of the day, I can do a little bit more work. Yeah. I love that. That, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that's great. Pen and paper or all digital for your um, task management. So I, I actually got a rocket book a number Ooh, of years ago. Are yep. you familiar? Yes. The erasable notebooks. And that was a lot of fun for me because <clears throat> I am a pen and paper person, but I felt guilty about the amount of paper that I was wasting. Mm -hmm. And so the rocket book set me free because I could write as many notes as I wanted. I could photograph what I needed. I could erase the rest and keep going. Like the digital reminders, but there is something about the act of writing, the physical act of writing that connects the information to my brain and I remember it, I'm more likely to remember it than the other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get over the, all of my notes are on recycled. You can't see it, but this is all recycled half sheets of paper. That's what mm -hmm. I use for my, for my, uh, to help alleviate some of the guilt I feel about paper usage. But yeah, absolutely. This is, it. there is that connection between writing it down and, and remembering it. But I have to have reminders digitally because otherwise I'm, if, if, oh. Yeah, I'm never going to be at the meeting unless something pops up to, to tell me to be there because I will be yes. sucked into what I'm doing. So that's a great balance. I love that. And the, I haven't used the rocket system oh, yet, but I've heard like really good things about it. 
and and for me, I didn't. I I got away from scanning the pages and didn't don't do a lot of that. I just like the erasable notebook. Mm -hmm. The fact that I can take it with me to a meeting and make my notes and then, you know, summarize what I need, get it into other formats and erase it. 99% of the notes that I take in meetings are worthless. Oh yeah. It, it, you know, and, 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 and it's, I'm just writing things to cue my brain really. So there's not a lot that I really have to capture unless it's a date or a commitment, but yeah, I, I have really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, I'll have to check that out. I'll add it to my, my birthday list. And what is your favorite way to relax? I have a, a group of women that we started and, and the group has grown and changed and morphed over the years. But for more than 20 years, every Saturday morning, we walk. And that's, that's my favorite. Just awesome. give, give me a nice day and a great group of people to to talk to and interact with. And, and I'm in my happy place and put it, put a camera in my hands. I'm even happier. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that sounds absolutely lovely. I think time with friends is invaluable when it comes to relaxing. So I love to hear that. Mm-hmm. Well, where could everybody learn more about you? This has been such a fun conversation and I know people will want to connect and learn more. So look for me on LinkedIn, Lorraine Ball. Look for my podcast, More Than a Few Words. Really, wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Mm morethanafewwords.com. And there's a contact form there if you really need to reach out. You can also look for the digital toolbox. There's actually a link from the podcast now to our online training. So we're bringing them all together. Oh, wonderful. And that will all be in the show notes as well. So you have it handy for you. But thank you so much for today. This was an awesome conversation. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea and Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.